We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sam, listeners, Lightyear's podcast, do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Wow, that's amazing. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open up a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment and made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Yours podcast. We're back. Andy Lou, Sam is Fendiari. Shouts to Next Door for hosting us. All the alcohol, all the TV, and, and the, the L. Pizza. And the pizza. Don't forget that. And the pizza. Was, the pizza was the highlight of the night. <laughs> Certainly wasn't the game. <laughs> all right. How are we feeling, Sam? How are we feeling? Down 3 2. It Warriors be, choked the second one in a row. Might be the most upset I've been all year with this team. Um, it, they looked like. Five dudes who never played together, in my opinion. So would you trade KD right now for Harrison Barnes back, or what are are we doing? Harrison Barnes isn't just trying to ISO and take over the game. He's just missing clutch shots in the corner. (laughs) We got Quinn Cook to do that, so we're good to go. Um, I don't know, man. I always – I thought the – the whole thing about the injuries and not having a flow didn't matter this year because they played so many games together up to this point. But it's kind of biting them in the ass right now. I don't know. I, what, what's your thought? I like. I like to formally apologize. I think you may have to as well for all the Houston Rockets slander all year long about how they were mentally soft, how they couldn't play. I mean, Iguodala's hurt. Steph and Katie don't know how to play together still in the second year together. But the Houston Rockets won the second game in a row in crunch time 
in crunch time the game it's not like the warriors were down by 15 and they had to come back to win with five minutes left they were down or they were up with five minutes left in each of the last two games and they lost I don't care. I don't care who's hurt. I don't care about Iguodala. It doesn't matter. You have Steph. You have KD. You have Draymond. You have Clay, and you lose that game. That's all Houston. Yeah, I think the weirdest part is they still didn't know what they wanted to go to in that situation. I thought by, I thought game four was. I mean, it was a bad loss, but how they bounced back to it was more important than anything. And they got themselves in the exact same situation, close yep, game. Yep. And it was close the last the the last quarter. Well, it was close the whole way through, but specifically the last quarter and a half and they still had no clue what they wanted to go to. They've somehow reverted to be the 2010, 2011 Miami heat. Oh, actually I thought you were gonna, I thought you were going to say warriors, but he, yeah, that's a good call. Yeah. It's that's like, a good, that's a good call. Last year they had a cohesive plan of how they wanted to use Katie and Steph together. Yeah. Um, but that's because they were winning and it was a little rocky and, there were some some ups and downs with it, but they kind of knew what they wanted to go to in those situations. This year, it's like they look like a super team in their first year together. You know what I'm saying? It, it's my turn. It's your turn. When KD has the ball, he doesn't really know how to play with anyone else. When Steph has the ball, he's probing. But like Clay and Draymond know how to play off of him, but other guys don't. KD's in weird positions. Looney, Livingston, those guys don't really know where to be. This, this, this is like what happens when you're like. This is like what happens when you're the dude at the club that gets used to picking up all the girls, <laughs> and then the one time that she's not down, you suddenly don't know what to do. You're flustered. That's what the Warriors look like. They're out here. Steph is passing the ball with Draymond at the end of the at the end of the game. Draymond oh, turns it so over, bad. right? Like, and then you've got Quinn Cook shooting a wide. I don't know what Steve Kerr is doing. You've got Quinn Cook shooting a wide open three because he's on the floor for some particular should reason. Should have been swaggy. I mean, I say it should have been Livingston, right? But, yeah, but Livingston's not taking spot of three. But at least he's doing something. He's dribbling and he's taking a pull up. Right, he's doing something decisive outside of a guy that has played like ten real minutes all season shooting a three. So the Warriors just they just don't know what they're doing. So after the game, Kerr says he's he's pretty confident. Honestly, if you were a homer, I would say yes, because you would think the home game they're winning, and then you don't think they're losing a third close game in a row on the road. That's what you would assume. You don't think the Warriors are gonna lose three games. In crunch time, you think they figure it out at a certain point. That's what you would think. Yeah, I think um, they. Sh- I mean, in, they should be able to take care of business at home, but it, it's hard to go through the last two games and feel confident about the team in any way. They just they just look disjointed. Houston's defense has been good, but the fact they haven't figured out a counter and how to go through it, it's it's disheartening after two games in a row like that. So what are we so Kerr's confident in the postgame, but he he's also ran the KD ISO for is he forty eight straight minutes. Is he running it or is it dissolving to that? Alright, so who are we blaming? Steph or KD? Because somebody's getting blamed. Because Steph, because what Steph is doing is he's get he's dribbling the ball up, he's passing it to a guy, which is what he always does. He always passes it to the guy on the wing, and then he lets the offense run. But the offense is running where it's just KD and ISO. So whose fault is it? Because it ain't working I mean, there, either there, way. Let, let's uh, let's stock check every. Let's just go down every player. So let's start with Steph. <laughs> All right. This is the thing about Steph that infuriates me more than anything. The one thing that separates him from every other superstar is the fact that he is deferential, and that's generally why the Warriors are successful. Like Steph does not 
do the whole alpha dog, we're playing my way thing. He's willing to adapt to anyone, let anyone else play. But the Warriors kind of need Steph to, at some point, just take over the huddle and say, we're running pick and roll. Yep. We're going yep. my way. Katie, yep. you're setting a damn screen for me, and we're doing it this way. It's, and he's not doing that. It's not even about Steph being healthy because he looks healthy. It's about him saying, give me the fucking ball. Yeah. Like, give me the fucking ball, which is what KD is doing. KD is like, yo, give me the ball. And he isos and he's missing shots. I think Carden went 0 for 9 from 3 to start. And then he just kept shooting. You know what I mean? At a certain point, Steph, you just got to look at your look in the mirror and be like, yo, I got to be Russ. I got I to be Westbrook and say, I'm just going to I'm just going to not iso every play, but pick and roll and make something happen. So it's not it's not so much about him shooting every play. It's about it's him not. taking control yeah. of the offense as opposed to taking control of two to three possessions in a row and then giving it to KD two to three possessions in a row and them never finding a flow. So let's move to the next player. Kevin Durant. Oh, KD. So Steve Kerr said something during the game. Was it during the game? Oh, he said something during the game about uh, how he needs to trust his players. Because in the beginning of the game, and actually for pretty much the entire series, game one, game two, game three, game four, all he did was get the ball in the wing, ISO. Um, what Steve Kerr is trying to get into his head, and honestly, I don't think it's going to happen, is that he needs to go ahead and be either the secondary player or be okay with making the secondary pass. Pass to Draymond, have him make the hockey assist to another guy. And I don't think KD is comfortable with that. So this is the weird part. KD, the last two, three, well, like five years, he's been a guy who's consistent. His scoring's consistent. Some games he's a little more efficient than others. But in general, he's one of the more efficient scorers in the NBA. But he's also been a guy who's consistently got you eight to nine rebounds and about five assists every game, a steal and a block. This series, well, tonight, zero assists, four rebounds. This whole series, he's been averaging about five rebounds and two assists a game. And I'm just wondering where how it's dissolved into this because – in many ways, they're running two offenses. They're running the yes. Warriors offense, which yes. is Steph-centric, Steph Draymond-centric. Yes. And then they're running this OKC KD offense. And I don't really know. I don't even know where that came from, but they cannot establish a flow when they're going back and forth with it. I mean, I thought game four was a better example of it. Like Steph would get hot and then they'd go away from it. And then um, – KD would find some rhythm, but when KD found rhythm, other guys would be out of it. So somehow this team went from having kind of an identity last year where KD fit into it. And you could say KD was still the best player on the team playing in that identity last year to now playing two different styles and ultimately not having a style. At so, all. so, so the argument, the argument for all basketball fans is that in a vacuum, Kevin Durant is a best is a better player than Steph Curry in a vacuum. For, it's, it's a fair argument. I, I think it's almost like true, right? It's yeah. pretty much true. But in a series where and for a franchise that's built on the shoulders of Steph Curry and an offense that's built for that, he is not the best player, right? That's someone that you need to take like not you don't need him to stand in the corner and do nothing. He doesn't need to be the B guy, but he needs to be one B, yeah. where you have him 
coming off a screen or standing in a corner and not not just stand in a corner but get to the ball off a screen, right? But Steph needs to be the guy that's handling. But the, well, you yeah, know the, the issue offense, is it's on Steph too. Though. The offense that's runs. The, the offense runs best when KD is getting the ball off of an initial action. Every time it, it ends with, every time it starts with KD starting the action, it's a mess. Guys are standing around. It's a slow walk up, and it dissolves into a KD ISO. All right, we have good news now. I mean, relatively good news. The Warriors are still favored to win the series, minus one twenty. Right? They open as ten point five point favorites in Game Six. Ten point five point favorites, and so that why that is? Yeah. Why is that? Yeah. I think Steph. I think Chris Paul blew his hammy. So for the that's a terrible way. For that's the a ter- but beyond that, it's really hard to see the Warriors losing Game Six at home. The real question is what happens after that. So okay, so let's think about it. So regardless of what happens to Paul in Game Six, he's not going to be healthy for Game Seven. And you look at the Warriors, and you look at Steph; he looks healthy. You look at KD; he's healthy. You look at Clay; he's fine. Draymond and Iguodala is going to be back from Game Six. I mean, the Warriors lose game game five, but they they look good for six and seven, right? Because if you're a team that's fully healthy and you've lost two close games by one possession in game four and five, you would think the regression in terms of luck at the end of the game, because crunch time is great, but a lot of crunch time is luck. And you would think that type of regression is going to regression is going to work towards the Warriors favors for game six and seven. And if CP3 is out, which honestly, it looks like he is. And if he, even if he plays, he's at 50, 60%. I don't know if the Warriors are going to win. I don't know if they're going to lose these games. I don't know if they're going to win by more than like, they might win these games by like 10, 15. It might not be close. Even though the Warriors look completely disheveled, (laughs) they have no clue how to play. They got lucky. They got lucky. They're getting lucky right now. (laughs) Does it matter? I don't know. I don't know. Let's, uh, let's open this to questions now. Yeah, and move from there. Um, so anybody, anybody, if you guys got anything, we'll start with. Um, okay, after this one, we'll start with a question off Twitter from Christian Christian Quadeng. Why have the Warriors seemed to forgotten to run their elite offense that has gotten them to the finals the past three years? Andy, that's what. That's what. Yeah, that's what happens when you play beautiful offense, but you also are shook after when it happens. Like the Warriors are used to running an offense in the regular season where you get easy baskets because the other team isn't prepping for you or isn't ready. And then in the postseason, you've got a team that is switching everything and that is game planning for everything that you do. And then you've also got your top two players who are really, I mean, the KD is overly aggressive and Steph is overly passive. And that combines into an offense that really doesn't know what they're doing both in during the game and in crunch time where they just don't know who they want to get the ball to. So, um, so they I'm, need to just run pick and roll and they're not. They're honestly not. Did you see them run any? They did a little bit, but not nearly enough. Uh, I have two other thoughts on it. One, I don't, I don't quite understand how they devolved away from it, but – the lack of games they played this year together, 27 games with the Hamptons five, 41 games with the core four, Steph missing six games into the playoffs has completely dissolved the offense from what it's traditionally right, been right. all year. And they haven't quite been able to flip the switch. They can flip the switch against a 
mediocre opponent. Yep. But even then, I'm not sure they necessarily flipped the switch to their game versus the Pelicans as much as individual talent took over in matchups there. Same with the Spurs. You know, it wasn't like they were running that Warriors offense consistently there. Um, and then the second one is Draymond. Last year, when they were playing their best, Draymond was usually at the center of the action too. And Draymond's kind of a wrench in the, the whole KD-Steph thing. Um, both Steph and KD can play off ball because they can shoot, because they can move without ball when they want to. Draymond can't play off ball. Draymond has to be involved in the action, and he hasn't been involved in the action so far. And some of it's been... It's Draymond, though. It's Draymond. He's he's the guy that's looking to pass it when it's a two-on-one and it's Kevon Looney or Jordan Bell down low. He's got to just shoot that ball. And he did at the end of the game. He made that three. He was aggressive. And then he's just not... So that's the other thing with KD, right? Because with KD, you're kind of relying on him to be the guy that scores. But without KD, let's say for someone like Harrison Barnes, then all of a sudden... It's on Draymond to make the shots. It's on Clay to make the shots. And they're in rhythm to make those shots. But without that, all of a sudden it's, okay, KD, what can you do? And when KD can't make those shots, then everyone's out of rhythm. It's not really a blame on KD. It's just a blame on more of the Warriors need their offensive role players to be in rhythm. And that's not the case when you've got both of your top two players struggling. Yeah. Um, are we not giving Houston enough credit here? I mean, I just I, – I, I just apologize for roasting Houston all season, so I, I think it's your turn. <laughs> I really think it's more of a Warriors thing. I think they're double down. He's doubling down. I don't He's think Houston's up. bad. I don't think they've been bad, but I think the Warriors are not. I mean, Harden wasn't great tonight, right? He was no, terrible. Harden was terrible tonight. Uh, Chris Paul was amazing, and I really do hope he's he's fine. Um, I don't think either of us think he will be. Just based on yeah. the way he walked oh, off the floor, that looked like a that looked like a pulled hammy. That looked like a, and, that looked like a bad strain. Yeah, and I don't know, but uh, it still looks more like the Warriors basically being out of rhythm than Houston forcing it. Yeah, but there's two games left, and the Warriors are down down three two. Regardless if they're out of rhythm or not, you need guys to bring them into rhythm. Right? The Warriors are great when they're great. Right. It's like right. you you're good when you're good. But when you're not good, it depends on how you get through with that. It's like, for example, I give this example all the time. It's like LeBron. When they're not good, figure it out. And the Warriors, when they're not good, don't figure it. At least this series, they yeah. don't figure it out. So when you're not good and you don't figure it out, then it becomes a question of. I will point out um, the Warrior Homer take would be anytime they've hit these lulls in the playoffs. It's been two games in a row where they've embarrassed themselves before they've come out of it. You can go back to 2015, Memphis. It was game two okay. and game three. Okay. Then Cleveland, game two and game three. OKC, okay, game, 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 game three, three game and four. game four. Okay. Um, That's fair. Cleveland, Cleveland That's not right. so much, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this is in Cleveland, right? They've got shades of Cleveland. Sure. Shades, but it's not Cleveland. Like James Harden is not LeBron. And Chris Paul is not Kyrie. Right. So there are kind of shades, but it's not. It's more of a so this this and you're right. This series is more of a Golden State needs to break out because this game where Steph struggled in the first quarter and then struggled for the rest of the game and Golden State did. Once they figure it out, they're winning three in a row, which is what they did against Memphis, OKC and and Cleveland. I really do need Steph and Draymond to just kind of do the alpha male thing. 
and take over the offense. All right, we got a question. Garrett, friend of Warriors World. Yeah, friend of Sheed. Shouts to Sheed. So that's the first question. Where is Sheed? <laughs> Why isn't Sheed here? She's uh, omnipresent. <laughs> okay, so 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 my question is, uh, you know, Warriors coaches know their team best. They're very smart. But you guys have watched basketball probably a, a large part of your life. If you could do one thing offensively to sort of unlock the Warriors, which they have been very locked offensively these last two games, what's the one thing that you guys would suggest to the coaching staff? I would run more Steph Dre pick and yes. roll. Yes. I would have KD yes. coming off of pin downs off yes. of it. I would simplify the offense to the roots of what works. Steph and Draymond have great chemistry. KD coming off a of yes. secondary action is yes. unguardable. And go from there. Force Houston to prove they can guard that and then move from there. My secondary thing would be the bigger the other the underlying issue the Warriors have had has been Igudala's out and their wing depth is is just lacking right now and this is a series all for the wings so they gotta find i get why swaggy didn't play but you kind of have to play him 10 minutes in the game play four or five minutes in the second quarter four or five minutes in the third quarter they're getting bogged down on spacing a little bit kerr went with quinn cook today i don't think quinn cook was terrible um for parts of it but obviously the big miss shot at the end is, is going to haunt him, and it's a lot to put on Quinn Cook, who was a D-League call-up, who kind of scrapped a role for him to be asked to be that guy in the series. Also, he got kind of roasted on defense. Not that Nick Young's, <laughs> not that Nick Young's going to be that guy. Right, so, 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 so there's Draymond, there's Clay, there's the rest of the role players that need to make shot, like Quinn missing the wide-open one at the end of the game, but fuck that, right? It's about Steph and KD showing up. And those guys had, I think they had like, 40 45 between them that's not good enough like for two like for two guys that are steph's a two-time mvp mvp katie's an mvp and a finals mvp and a guy that proclaims himself as a top two player in the freaking league at least show up at least in uber he is at least in uber i don't care i don't care what offense is being run it doesn't matter show up right and that goes for durant that goes for steph like it really, it really doesn't matter what you do. If you say you're going to be one of the greatest teams of all time and you're going to be a dynasty, you need to show up. And they have not in the last two games, especially in crunch time. And can we talk about KD a little bit? This was the most frustrating part of his game. I don't care that he was eight for twenty-one. I don't care that he missed shots. I care about the fact that he had zero assists, zero, four rebounds, and generally. Everyone was playing desperate, and he was kind of pouting. He wasn't going for any loose balls. He's capable of that. Steph should never out-rebound him. Yeah, but Steph, and as, a, as the Steph stand, Steph is someone that needs to get that ball. There's too often where he's used to throwing the ball to the wing, setting a back screen, standing in the corner. I know, but Fuck we, go, through, go through it. So many of those rebounds was Steph jumping in there with with P.J. Tucker, with other guys, while KD stood out there. That can't happen. You can't have... Like, How did it become Sam being the, the Steph guy and me being the KD guy? I'm How just, did that happen? I'm just annoyed because KD... I'm confused. KD's better than that. He's 
And Steph is better was, than that. You can't pass was, the ball. This was an effort. KD, Steph's problem was more mental. KD's was more effort. Well, they're both mental. Yeah. They're both mental, but... Yeah, but yeah, we Katie, got we got another we got a live gotta, question. Katie's got to leave it out. We got a live next door question. So I'm 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 with Andy on this. I'm not sure we're giving the the Rockets enough credit. So this was the first game in the series where the Rockets have played poorly and they won. They shot 17 more threes than the Warriors. This could have been a blowout. They just didn't play well, and sure. it ended up being a tight game. And so. I don't know if the Warriors have countered what the Rockets have forced them to do. It's, it's hard to run the motion offense. It's hard to run a pick and roll where they're switching everything. But my observation is what they can do is go to the rim more and get to the cup more and draw more contact and, and get more free throws and beat them at their game. And so why aren't they doing that more? Um, before the game... Uh, that was one of the largest things, right? The Warriors get to the rim, get contact, finish. And all game long, you saw, you saw Sean Livingston, you saw Jordan Bell, you saw Draymond Green, you saw the entire Warriors team just not want to get to the rim, despite the fact that Clint Capella wasn't in the game. I don't know what you think of that outside of guys just that are just shook. And for a team that's Why are looking, they shook, though? looking for their fourth finals game – I, I think the reason why they're shook is because they're used to winning a lot. So they're, used, they're used to winning by 15 points a game. Last year, they went 16-1. Was there a close game? No. Outside of KD hitting that three, it doesn't matter. Even if KD doesn't hit that three last year, they go, they're still up 2-1. They win game four. They win game five. That's a gentleman's sweep, right? So they haven't played a close game in over two years. It doesn't matter. Right for the last two years, whether they play a close game or not. Now that it does, I think these guys are shook. Like, that's one of the things where you see even Livingston, right? I think Andre Iguodala, for the fact that he's probably the fifth best player on the team, it doesn't matter. He doesn't get shook, right? He's a guy that makes big threes, that makes big passes, big passes, gets to the rim, etc. But guys now that are on the floor, completely yeah. scared. So, I mean, there is something to be said since they got KD, it's a different team. So all those experiences they had prior to KD don't matter <laughs> because it, it wasn't this group. Those experiences were with Harrison Barnes, with Bogut, with Barbosa, with Azili, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there is something to – they've basically been playing pickup ball for two years. They haven't actually been challenged. Yep. And they don't know yep. how to play in those moments. And it's kind of – I mean, Kerr had been saying it all year. We should probably give him a little credit for that when he's been kind of trying to figure out how to push these guys' buttons all year. Some people thought he was too soft on them. Some people thought he was kind of whining too much at different times. But either way, it's kind of showing right now. It's Kerr's right, too. Kerr's right. He's someone that saw this coming from the beginning because he's seen like seven titles in a row. Like, he's seen this happen before, so he knows that this team wasn't ready for crunch time or that they should have been ready and that they were too arrogant. This is what happens when you win game one, you get too cocky, you give away game two, right? You win game three by 40, and then in game four, you're up by 10 twice in the first and fourth quarter, and you feel like you've already won the game and you don't show up, right? It's not that the Warriors are privileged. 
right? I don't think it's that. It's more so that they think they're so good that they should be winning these games by 15. Then when it gets down to the fact that it's a close game, they don't really know what to do. And that goes for everyone. That's everyone. You can't simulate it. There's no practice situation for simulating close games. Um, Question I've seen like eight variations. Yeah, let's go to more questions. Yeah. I've seen like eight variations of this. Andy, why do the Warriors refuse to run more pick and rolls? I think at this point, I think I think it's really up to the players. I think if, if it was up to Steve Kerr, he would run like a triangle offense or he would run a pick and roll. He wanted whatever the fuck he wants, but it doesn't matter. If you're a player, you can't blame Steve Kerr anymore because in, in the NBA, it's up to the players. If Steph wants to run a Steph KD pick and roll, he's going to call a Steph KD pick and roll. And Kerr can, has nothing to say about that. He can't do shit. Can we talk about that? Last year's playoffs, they did go to the, K, the Steph KD pick and roll when they needed it. They went pick and roll this game. Did they did they use the Steph KD pick and roll at all? Because I saw a lot Barely. Of, I, I saw a lot of Steph Clay pick and pops. Mm-hmm. I saw yep. some Steph Draymond. I saw a lot of Steph and Bell or Looney or whoever was at the five. I didn't really see much Steph KD, and I did not see much KD as the ball handler pick and roll. That's up to the players, man. Like Regardless of whether you have Phil Jackson or Greg Popovich or Steve Kerr, I don't give a shit who you have, right? It's up to the players to make that play. If Steph wants that ball and he wants to run that pick and roll, he has to call that play. Because what's Kerr going to do to him? He's going to bench him? He's not going to bench him for running that pick and roll. So run it. Like if that's your plan, that's your best play. Run the freaking pick and roll and see what happens. But Steph is so content with running that off ball play and KD is so content with taking that isolation that Kerr's kind of like default offense is what's killing the Warriors. So I got so secondary question here kind of brings into my point. So Cameron says Kerr feel pretty good about where we are right now. Is you referring to the fact that on vacation coming next week? <laughs> I actually think Kerr saying that has <coughs> Everything to do with the fact that he realizes his voice is not getting through to the players and he wants them to get to that point of desperation to actually do the things that Andy's saying because he's said it to them a million times over. You have to move the ball. You have to keep moving, et cetera, et cetera. It's on the players a little bit. So I feel like Kerr is playing a little of that Phil Jackson reverse psychology where he's like, well, if you guys want to lose like this and, you know, be jokes all summer on the Internet, that's on you. I think he's I think he's playing mind games with them right up until the last point of the season. And I don't know if there's another card to play. All right, we got we got a question. We got a next door live question. I love it. I love it. Should should Andre open up his contract this summer and renegotiate for twenty a year? <laughs> hey, listen, 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 listen. So Andre Iguodala in a Marcus Thompson piece said, "Assholes get tight <laughs> in the postseason," and 
in the postseason, guess what? It's funny because he meant this. I think he said it to the rest of the rest of the players. I think he meant it for Houston. I think he meant it for maybe Cleveland, Boston, whoever it is. I don't think he meant it for his guys. But what's funny is it's his players that have gotten that, right? It's Steph. It's KD. It's Draymond that have gotten that type of behavior in the postseason. So, I think Andre Iguodala maybe could have played game four. I think he maybe could have played. I think he probably could have played tonight if it was game seven. I think he will play game six. So I, I disagree with you. I think he's more hurt than they're letting on. I don't think so. I think he's someone that's going to play game six. He's going to be relatively healthy. I personally think they're going to win both games, six and seven. But just the comment that he makes is so true. Right. He knows he's Andre Godala is the smartest player on the freaking Warriors. He knows that guys get shook when it gets to the end of games. I just don't know that Warriors fans thought that it'd be the Warriors that get shook at the end of the games. All right. Um, more questions. More questions. Oh, we got one. We got one. More live questions. Yes. OK, Garrett, again, this is something that. Sam saw him, your cousin Bobak told me, but he's he doesn't want to be involved yes. in this podcast. Um, hey. So this is a little <laughs> basketball nerdy, but I'll you know I'll I'll share it for Bobak's sake. Yes. Um, what did you guys think of the rotations tonight? Because I think Kerr may have thought that in in the last game he may have worn his guys down near the end, and he specifically made it made a point to play guys like West who. I thought it was probably going to be ice for the rest of the season or rest of the series played Quinn cook. Like we said, um, uh, Livingston, I don't know. I don't know what Livingston's minutes were, but he played, uh, seemed like he played a little bit more, uh, but what did you think of the rotations today compared to, uh, game four and, and how Kerr tried to really, uh, you know, shave off some of those minutes on, on his main guys. Um, so he's in a tough spot. One of the questions I'm seeing online, and it's been brought up a couple times, is why are they carrying six centers when they clearly need another wing right now? That's a fair point. The only thing I will counter to that with is they when they cut Omri Caspi, McCall wasn't hurt. They weren't planning on Andre Iguodala being hurt. That, that cuts into most of their wing depth right there. Um, and then last, maybe Omri Caspi helps now. No. Maybe, but probably not. Yes, he's a wing, but it still goes back to the main players. Like, Gerald Gerald Green outplaying the Warriors bench is a problem, but it's not why the Warriors are losing. The Warriors are losing because Chris Paul is outplaying Kevin Durant and Steph Curry. Yep. It, because P.J. Tucker is playing Draymond straight up, if not outplaying him. And yep. Clay Thompson was Agreed. good tonight. I thought Clay Thompson was actually really good tonight. But throughout the course of the series, he's been borderline even with Ariza and Eric. So so listen, listen. If you're gonna if you're gonna match them up together, Clay Thompson and Eric Gordon. Same game, right? Similar games in game six or game five, sorry. And you look at PJ Tucker and Draymond Green. Similar games. So let's say you take those two guys who are all-stars and maybe Hall of Famers, and you say, hey, they played an even game. And then you look at Steph Curry and Kevin Durant against James Harden and Chris Paul, and then you say, that's a relatively even game too. And then where are you? Right? That's a series that's very eerily similar. 
right? All of a sudden, everybody's alike, right? Even though you've got Clay Thompson, who's hurt, but he's still playing. You've got Eric Gordon, who's drawing three-point fouls. And then you've got Draymond Green, who doesn't want to shoot until the last second of the game. And you've got P.J. Tucker, who's shooting all game. Then all of a sudden, you've got guys that are shook, that don't want to shoot. And you've got a Houston Rockets team that's bleeding the clock. All possession and is making big shots, right? My thing is, at the end of the day, the Warriors are going to get regression from this. They've lost two straight, two straight close games. They're going to get those back. I think, personally, that that's going to be game six and seven. Who knows, right? But at the end of the day, that's the players that are outplaying you. The Warriors are straight up getting outplayed. Yeah, straight and, up and, and getting outplayed. Say, and you can say Kerr's being outcoached, too. I don't think Houston does anything special. No. But they know exactly what they want to do. And David do. West played. Yeah. They know exactly what they want to do. And we are through five games. And I think the Warriors are more confused after Game Five than they were after Game One. I don't think they have. I don't think they know what their game plan is. No, their game no. plan is like we'll run a few plays for Steph. We'll run a few plays for KD. Uh, we'll try to get Clay on the move. Um, it's all over the place. You know, I thought they wanted to speed the game up early, but then they tried. started they tried. playing two bigs. And I don't even mind him playing two bigs here and there, but slowing it down plays into Houston's hands. Um, it's all over the place. It's it's basically one team knows what they want to do, and the other team, the other team has more talent, and they don't know which way they want to go with it. I've got I've got one more question here yes. from next door. Yes. So, all this aside, this this series game six and seven are going to come down to whether or not Chris Paul can play. Yeah, we haven't got to that yet. If if Chris Paul's out, yeah, and the Warriors win, what's going to happen this yeah. summer? Yeah, yeah. The Warriors are going to hear it. I mean, yeah, I yeah. I can't even defend it. They they had a chance to put this series yeah. away in Game Four. Yeah. They let Houston win it. They had the chance in Game Five. They let Houston win it. And if Chris Paul goes down and they win, they won the battle of attrition, yeah. as some people like to put it. And it is true. It's a long series, and you can't just play every game like Game 7. And having more talent means yeah. over a best yep. of seven, you have more opportunities. Yep. But it's a it's a shitty way to win. Yeah, And it's like, if Katie and Steph want to be seen as great this isn't how they're going to be seen as no no there's no one's giving them that respect for that that's the reality that's it they're gonna have to win they're gonna have to win games like houston game four and game five where they gave it away 100 percent agreed 100 percent agreed so i think that the warriors win game six and seven i think they win it because of the fact that chris paul is out i think they win their third title in four years that's fucking awesome. I think that their moment is still not there, right? Their moment tonight was that they need to show the fuck up for a game five and win the game, and they didn't, right? They win game six. They win game seven with Chris Paul hurt. That doesn't really count, right? That's something that they win. They win the title 10 years from now. We don't care. That's three rings, it doesn't matter. But at the end of the day, when you talk about greatness and you talk about these singular moments, like LeBron James going into going into the garden and putting on a show, right? Going into whatever the hell he was in Boston and putting on a show, that's what it is. And the Warriors didn't do that. 
right? So they might win, but it's not the same as that. So that might be next year. That might be later. But do they even get to that without being humbled again? I kind of feel like this team may never reach that point until they get embarrassed in a way. I keep going back to LeBron in 2011 as being the moment where he got embarrassed so badly and then he retooled his game and kind of reconsidered the way he wanted to do things. He worked on his weaknesses and he even said it in a post game earlier, this press conference, if it wasn't for that series and that defense that Dwayne Casey had, I wouldn't be the player I am today. So if the Warriors win this because Chris Paul got hurt, these problems, I don't think are going away. They need to, I don't, I think they really do need to be embarrassed a little worse to truly hit the collective that they're capable of with this group of talent. So let's say Chris Paul miraculously isn't hurt and he does come (laughs) back for game six and seven. Can the Warriors still win two in a row? Yes. hundred percent. They still have more talent. They've, like we've said, Houston, Houston's been the better team in terms of just having a better game. Houston knows exactly what they want to do. The Warriors don't know what they want to do. With that said, Houston won game four and five by three points and by two points. They're squeaking out wins. We're talking about one to two shots going the other direction, and it could be over. The Warriors have more talent. They could easily play terrible in game six and seven and still win. This is uh, another another question that, that Bobak whispered to me. He's being shy for some reason. But, <laughs> um, the Warriors kind of got away with a, a, a rare sort of James Harden stinker tonight when it came to shooting the basketball. I don't know what he was from three-point land, but he was at 0 of 8 at some point. Um, you have to think that out of the next two games, he's going to go off at least one of them. It feels like this was a game where Harden specifically didn't play well. And when he doesn't play well, those are the games that you want to take. Those are the games that are for the taking. And I kind of worry if you've got to win two in a row, Harden's probably going to going to go off for 40 in one of these games. The Warriors, one of the Warriors, two wins in this series is when Harden went for 40. I actually am less worried about that um, because when Harden goes off, Harden goes off in a very deliberate fashion where it's the James Harden show and it's harder for Tucker. It's harder for Gordon to go off when the when the Rockets are blowing teams out. It's not when Harden's getting 40 points. It's when Harden's getting 20 points, but 12 assists when Chris Paul's getting 18 points and 10 assists and the ball is moving from their hands because everyone's getting into it. So I'm not really as worried about that. Like, if anything, the Warriors might benefit from Harden feeling it a little bit. Uh, Okay, okay, let's relax. (laughs) Let's relax a little bit. If Harden shows up to one of these games, we'll have a close game, regardless of CB3 plays. I mean, it's not like game one wasn't close. Yeah. So, but here's the thing. The Warriors got lucky. They did because I think I think I think Chris Paul just blew a hammy, right? We'll find out soon. I think he just blew it'll a probably, hammy. It'll probably be out by the time this podcast posts. So I think he'll play. Ga- I think he'll play game six. Right? I think he'll play, but he'll be severely hammered. Right? He'll be someone that's just can't, well severely hammered. I mean, hampered. 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 
right? So I'm hammered. But that's someone that's not going to be able to move the way he did in game four and game five, right? That's someone that's – did you see the shots that CP3 was playing? Right, he was someone that was making shots from like thirty feet away, just shot putting it up, shooting floaters. Right at a certain point, those shots regress, and the Warriors are going to make those shots. Right, but those are tough shots. Those are something that the Warriors role players are going to have to step up and do. Not their role players; they're stars. Steph shooting under thirty percent from three for the series. All right, he's about thirty percent. KD, not really any different. I mean, it, it comes back to the Warriors aren't generating those good looks, and Houston no, has read the Warriors' offense by now. I want to end on this last question from... Uh, we can have a couple more. That's all right. Okay. Let's say, hypothetically, the Warriors lose in six. Ooh. What the hell happens to this team? Oh, God. And I guess, additionally, is there anything particularly could have done better? Okay, oh, that's a different. So... What happens if they do lose? That's on you, man. I don't think they lose. So so, so I'll let you answer it after. But I don't think they lose. I think at this point, I think it's something that the Warriors look at and they realize that the Warriors lose two back-to-back crunch time games. And I, think you'd, I don't think you lose more than that. And if the Warriors lose another crunch time game, that's on them fully. But I don't think that happens again. That's something where you look at Andre Iguodala's back in game six, and he's back for game seven. And you look at a team that's going to play at home for game six, and you only have to play one more in Houston. And I don't think that's something that you're going to lose, especially with Chris Paul injured. And that's a shitty ass way to look at a series. That's a terrible way to look at a series. But you look at 2000, you look at 2006 and you look at how Cleveland won the series. That's a team that won a series in seven against a Stephen Curry that couldn't get to the freaking rim against Kevin Love. And do you feel that bad? No. <laughs> I guess if they do lose, it's – I mean, there's not much to say. They they they, can't, they deserve it. There's no other way around it. it. All that messing around during the regular season caught up to them. I've got one more live question. The Warriors – have opened up 10.5-point favorites in Game 6. So they're not losing Game 6. The NBA is going to get their Game 7 on Memorial Day. It'll be a highly rated game. Who does the NBA want to win Game 7? Warriors. Oh, Warriors. It's not even close. The the NBA is going to milk Warriors versus LeBron until the ratings decline. Um, I don't think they're fixing games, but that would that's always going to be what the league wants. Whoever the biggest stars are. And the biggest stars are the Warriors and LeBron James. Hey, Sam, you think the Warriors have won a title that's without an asterisk yet? <laughs> um, what you think? What you think? Fuck that shit. You know, you know what happened? You know, you know, you know what happens 10 years from now when the Warriors have won the third title in four years? And let's say they win another one or two. It doesn't matter how they won it. Like, for example, you look at Magic Johnson, what happened with the Lakers. You look at the Celtics. You look at the history of basketball. Titles have been won because players have gotten injured. Titles have been won because of suspensions. Titles have been won because of straight-up luck. It doesn't matter. If you have the title, you have the title. So if the Warriors win this series down 3-2 – because of injuries, because of whatever, it doesn't matter. 
right? But in the moment right now between you and me, it's not pretty. It's incomplete. It's incomplete. That's a good way to put it. Legacy is defined by one-year achievements, Mm -hmm. two-year moments. The Warriors may have the achievements. Steph's got his two MVPs. He may have three rings. He may have four rings. He may have five rings. When's he getting his actual big moments? He's had some in the playoffs. He had one OKC game seven, but they didn't win the title that year. So no one really remembers it. KD's had one big shot, but has he had a big shot in a series that looked like they're going to lose? Has he had his Jordan push off against Russell shot? Has he had his LeBron chase down? No. That's what people remember. Has he had his like Magic Johnson, Kareem was out and I'm scoring 42 point moment? No. So if the Warriors are truly chasing their place as like one of the all time greatest teams, they need those moments. Yep, that's true. And that's not coming if Chris Paul is hurt any way they like it. They can get through the series, but it's going to have to come through yep. when they face adversity like they have and actually respond to it. And they face adversity tonight, and they face adversity game four, and what happened? They didn't respond to it. They didn't respond. God, that Steph Draymond play at the end tonight was just horrendous. Like, that's something that I mean, you got to touch on that one time. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, that was... I don't even know how you define it. Um, I don't want to call it shook. It was literally, it looked like guys who'd never been in that moment. And it's kind of shocking for guys who have been in that moment. And I can't figure it out other than rhythm. Um, Not blaming any one player or anything, but they, they got to be better than that. And that's one of the things where you talk about, you talk about moments, right? And you talk about, LeBron James going for 20 points in the first quarter in Boston. You talk about Ray Allen hitting that shot in Miami. You talk about the Lakers and Kobe and Shaq. You remember that? You talk about that. And you talk about all the things that have happened to win the title. And you talk about Clay game six against OKC. But they need more. Yeah. All right. We'll wrap this up. Um, Our next episode will probably be after game seven at some point. No, we gotta go. We got so when's game six Saturday night? We need a pot after Saturday night. All right, let's do one after Saturday night. All right, so thank you next door for having us. Uh, it's been fun, and we'll see you guys soon. Thank you, bro. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance.
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.